is this thing still on? It's been a while. This show's been on hiatus for a couple of months. I told you that Doug and I were going to put something together, the likes of which you had not ever seen before, and I still plan to do that. But it's not going to happen in the immediate future because I've got bigger things on my plate right now. So what I wanted to do was, well, something. And uh, Doug and I started talking, and he said, hey, um... Hey, remember the Deeper Thought podcast you did a couple of years ago? Doug and I decided that we could go through some of those episodes. Over the next several weeks, several months, you're going to get access to what you previously weren't able to. Hopefully, this little provocation will help you sell something that you haven't sold before. And uh, stay tuned for these episodes as they drop week over week. I think you're going to take something away from them. I know you're going to be entertained by them. And uh, I just, I can't wait to talk to you again real soon. My name's Jeff Bajoric, and my career in sales has been a hell of a ride. And I want to bring you along with me. If you prefer to sell things at a premium, if you never want to win a deal on price, rethink the way you sell. Welcome back to the show. My name's Jeff Bajoric. I'm your host, and I'm here to help you rethink the way you sell. Last episode, I talked about managing expectations. Today, I'm going to share with you an interview that I did with my friend Andy Rasick about managing your expectations. He wrote a piece for my online community called, Is Prospecting Just Luck? And uh, after that piece was published, we came together and sat down and had a conversation about what he meant by that. And the piece was really about him as a kid finding four-leaf clovers in his backyard. And a um, couple of takeaways here I want to kind of point out to you. If you don't look for four-leaf clovers, you don't find them. You really have to manage your expectations because there are a lot more three-leaf clovers than four-leaf. And as it turns out, there are a few five-leaf clovers out there. Um, pay attention to the process along the way. Like if you go searching for things, you're going to find that there are some things that work and there are some things that don't. Pay attention, take notes, maybe keep a journal, whatever you need to do to make sure that you don't repeat bad behaviors and you tend to skew toward the effective behaviors and um, really manage your mindset. That's what it's all about. And that's really what selling is all about in so many ways. I want you to enjoy this conversation. Um, Doug Branson was my producer then. He's my producer now. He gave life to this piece by reading it before our conversation. So um, I appreciate you giving this a listen. I think you're going to learn a lot. And I'll talk to you on the good side. Sales and why it works. Take a deep breath. This is deeper thought is prospecting just luck written by andy rasick read by doug branson when i was 10 years old i thought four-leaf clovers were make-believe and if you asked me to find one i thought you were teasing me by the time i was 12 i'd found about 50 of them what changed one day in between Probably to get me out of her hair for a while, my mom told me that for every four-leaf clover I could find, she'd give me one dollar. Back then, that was a lot to me. Cheap soda from the vending machines I could ride my bike to were 50 cents, and I could rent a video game for a weekend for about three bucks. Being the enterprising child that I was, I marched out to an area of our yard that had tons of clovers, and just yanked as many as I could find in big fistfuls and then took them back and dropped them on the concrete to sift through them quickly. 
Not surprisingly, my first few passes weren't fruitful. They're lucky for a reason, right? So I went through this routine a few times, likely making the lawn look ugly as hell in the meantime, until... Ah! Ha! I'd found one. A bona fide four-leaf clover. That was quite a feeling, finding my first four-leaf clover. I found something that, up until that point, I had never seen in person. I didn't really believe they were real. Over the next hour or so, I repeated the process until I'd found about ten. Not wanting to push my luck too far, or waste my efforts if I pushed it too far, I turned in my bounty, collected my cash, and promptly spent it on... I don't even remember what. Since then, I've kept an eye out when walking through clover patches. False positives are incredibly common. Clovers tend to grow tightly and hide each other. So you'll think you found one until you go to pick it, and then hopes are dashed. I found patches that had a high likelihood of producing four-leaf and five-leaf, believe it or not, clovers. Eventually, I got to the point where my family didn't even look up when I announced I'd found another one. My older brother was definitely annoyed slash jealous of my ability. So, what does finding four-leaf clovers have to do with prospecting? A few parallels. Prospecting is simple, but it requires hard work to be successful. Of the people that try it, many will quit before they ever have any success. Most will quit before they find sustainable, repeatable success. Of those who never are successful, they may have never been incentivized and or challenged appropriately to create the right environment for success. Many people don't know the strategies to increase their chances of success when prospecting. Many people don't apply strategies to improve their efficiency while prospecting. Lessons that apply to whatever you're selling, from toothpicks to enterprise deals. Great prospecting begins with great market research. There are better places and ways to spend your time than blindly reaching out to potential buyers. What kind of person typically buys your offering? It doesn't matter if you're selling B2C or B2B. Find the trigger events and or buyer slash organization demographics that means someone is most likely to buy from you. Michael Dell, founder and CEO of Dell, got his start in sales selling newspaper subscriptions. He figured out that the people most likely to buy were new home buyers. He then got a hold of list of people who had just purchased homes and canvassed new build neighborhoods and crushed his goal. There is always something that will give you an edge. Figure that out and then hunt accordingly. Except on a fundamental level that you're going to fail. A lot. And when you do, you're sometimes going to catch people on a bad day and they're going to take it out on you. My brother gave me grief when I shook my head at a fistful of clovers that was a dud. Some prospects are stressed and need to vent. It's never about you when that happens. Similarly, accept that when you're successful prospecting, you might get grief too. If you're on a team or in an organization with a bad sales culture, you'll feel like a crab in a bucket where every time you're successful, someone is giving you grief. It's because they are jealous. Pay them no mind. Find the people who encourage you and spend your time with them. 
Prospecting can suck. Find a way to enjoy it anyway. I thought finding a four-leaf clover might be impossible, but I'm sometimes motivated to do the impossible and prove people wrong when they said I couldn't do something. Do whatever mental gymnastics you gotta do to really enjoy it. Not only will your positive attitude come through in your tone, voice, or text, which will increase your chance of success, but it makes the time pass a lot better. Good luck out there. Andy Rasick, four leaf clovers, five leaf clovers. Come on, I didn't know a five leaf clover existed. That just sounds like a no, mutation gone wrong. But it, it's it's funny because you don't find four leaf clovers if you're not willing to look. And um, I remember right after you wrote this piece and, and posted it that uh, you reminded me of my kid brother who used to find change in the parking lot everywhere we go. Like that kid when we were little. I mean, he was the youngest, and he was just always, like, looking at the ground. And, of course, how are you going to find money if you don't look at the ground, right? But it's it just sounds so simple. But are you willing to look? Do you have a reason to keep looking? Because there are thousands of three-leaf clovers, you know, to, to weed out because of the, the four-leaf clover. Well, what brought this analogy? Like, like what made you—why did this pop into your head, I guess, is the question. Oh man, I wish I knew. Sometimes things just pop in. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I mean, it. I didn't. I didn't make the connection until relatively recently about how that was just like a important mindset shift when it comes to thinking about prospecting and the same kind of mindset you need to have that to, to prospect regularly without experiencing burnout. Look, you know how to prospect. I know you know how to prospect, but something still gets in your way. As a matter of fact, I've identified eight reasons that you and your team are not creating more sales opportunities. I put them together as a white paper to serve as a companion of this season of the Rethink the Way You Sell podcast. Go to jeffbajorek.com forward slash eight reasons to download your copy and the self-assessment that is included in that white paper so you know where you can make maximal impact right away to improve your prospecting results. Now back to the show. So what was it about three leaf clovers that didn't burn you out, right? Like what, what, why was the, the win so worth the rest of the stuff? Um, I think it was, it was a lot of, uh, just, I guess, accidental expectation management. I just went in there expecting that it was going to be really hard and it was unlikely that I was going to find success. Um, and the reward was enough for me at the time, like a couple of bucks as a kid was a lot. Um, (laughs) so, I mean, if you go in knowing that there's some chance of success and if you are successful, you're gonna like the rewards. Um, but knowing that it won't be easy or immediate, uh, that's, that's kind of the mindset you need to have to an extent, you know, when you're doing a lot of the work that we're doing, because most of our efforts are not going to pan out when we're doing, you know, heavy, heavy prospecting sessions. Cause mm-hmm. 
people aren't going to pick up the phone. They're going to catch him on a bad day. Uh, they're definitely just many times not going to be really truly relevant to what you're selling or, or even if they are, they're not going to be in the market at the time for what you're prospecting for. So there's a million different ways and reasons that prospecting fails, but it still is successful. So I'm, I'm really curious if along the way you learn to have fun, just hanging out in the grass, right? Like, I mean, when you think about, okay, I have a job. I don't necessarily like to do it. It's kind of hard. The winds are great. That makes it kind of worth going back and, and continuing to do it. But, you know, at some point, do you just begin to appreciate the search? Do you begin to look for other things? I mean, did you learn other things on the side? Did you, you know, did, did you learn how to spot crabgrass? Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I'm trying to think of other benefits because, you know, when you get kind of uh, psychotic about prospecting like guys like I do and I don't want to volunteer you for that but you know you, you start to look for other things right it's it's okay that's not rejection I didn't have their attention so how do I I got to think about something different here and, and I've got to not just for my own mindset but I have to recognize what's actually going on right like is it true that this person is the wrong fit at the wrong time and I got the wrong number or is it am I missing something and you just start to look for other leading indicators you start to look for ways that, you know, and I think a sales call is not a failure unless you fail to learn something. So while you were looking for four leaf clovers, was there a secondary win for you? Was there an, or am I going back to the well for this analogy just a little too often and we should, you know, <laughs> transition here? No, no, there was. Um, and I think a lot of it is, is kind of gamifying the little bits of the process. Yeah. So when actually looking for clovers, part of it was, all right, which area of the lawn could I go to to grab the most clovers in a handful? Um, and then, you know, which area could I go to that had the le least amount of grass in the handful as well? So, like, yeah. basically, how, how could I maximize the return on my time and the return of my efforts? Um, and then there's other skills where, like, maybe you weren't doing just the, you know, grab as many as you can and sort them out later, just destroying the the, the lawn <laughs> um, process that I was doing, maybe you're just, you know, visually looking and scanning. Um, you get used to seeing, oh, that looks like a four leaf clover, but that leaf is grown in a weird way. That's actually two clovers yeah. underneath each other. That's not a real <laughs> lead basically. Um, right. And you, you develop all those little skills where, I mean, I remember joining a lot of the, my first you know, my first couple of weeks in any given sales job, it's like, oh, this, this looks like a good lead. And you bring that to an experienced rep on the team. They ask like two or three questions and you answer them. They're like, yeah, this is shit. Uh, and like, maybe they'll say it in those, <laughs> those words, but that's the message that they're, they're communicating. It's like, you don't know what you're looking for. You don't know how to look. You don't know how to discern what's good and what's bad. Um, so it's, it's all those little things where it's like, well, yeah, I'm not going to be successful every time, but what skills can I develop along the way that make the that make it more of a a process, more of an intellectual um, pursuit? Where it's like, if I look at a company now, you know, I'm going to look at how many employees they have, how many sellers do they have, how many marketers do they have, uh, how many different companies do they market to, how much content do they probably have, how much do I think they probably have a pain for what it is that I sell right now, right? Like. I'm starting to, to build that muscle in, in the new job that I joined, uh, what, like a month and a half ago. Mm -hmm. um, but that's, that's the thing about prospecting where it's like, it's not just 
picking up the phone and banging away on calls. It's figuring out each and every little thing that allows you to be more efficient with, um, with your time and with your calls and with your efforts. So you can always be more efficient. You can always have more, uh, more information. Um, we can find a way as human beings to think ourselves right out of a really good situation. How do you manage the, the pendulum swing in the other way, right? I mean, you, it's, it's uh, you know, on one hand it is, let me, and I'm going to go back to this well. You're going to grab as many clovers as possible, a clump of green out of the lawn, right? And then you're going to take it to the, the concrete and spread them all out and see how many you can find. It's another thing to say, well, you know, that doesn't work as well. Let me go and then we identify are the stems on a four-leaf clover a little thicker? Do they tend to hang out together or separately? What do they look like? What kind of clovers are they around? You know what I mean? Like you can get things so refined that you talk yourself out of even looking because you talk yourself into how scarce the ideal plant is, right? Or, you know, for all the talk about ideal client profiles and, and things like that, you know, you can talk yourself right into, like, there's only one person on the planet right now who can do with, you know, who can use what we have how do you manage the back and forth with that yeah um so for me i i can fall in that same trap where i'm just over analyzing over trying to optimize and not executing um so at a certain point i just i just tell myself hey you've thought about this enough you probably have a pretty good strategy just go do the damn work mm -hmm. um and it's, it's funny that we're recording this now because last night i was having a conversation with my partner and she was like there are satisfiers and there are maximizers. And it's different personality types, basically. Mm -hmm. So a maximizer wants to optimize every single little thing. So you can get stuck in this trap of constantly analyzing to figure out, is this the actual best you know, bookshelf or whatever, or entertainment stand that yep. you're going to buy? Um, or there's a satisfier where it's like, it satisfies these three criteria. Good. Put it on the list. Um, <laughs> right. So... It's, it's good to be able to work as both, honestly, because you need to do mm -hmm. high quality work, which means you need to maximize a lot, but you also need to, you know, jump into whichever the other role is not necessarily natural to you to just get stuff done uh, when need be. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. We used to have this term in, in orthopedics, We'd, and, and this was the benefit and the detriment of selling a laser-guided computer navigation system in, in an operating room that was accurate to half a millimeter is that we'd have surgeons who try to be perfect to the half a millimeter. And, you know, without getting into the X's and O's of orthopedic surgery, let's just say the cutting guides, they move in meter or millimeter increments, sometimes two millimeter increments versus uh, a half a millimeter. So the, the system tells you you're off by just a bit and you're tempted to just freehand a half a millimeter. And it's like, doc, I know you want to be perfect, but given that we are within half a millimeter and the acceptable range is literally three millimeters, right? I'm, I sound like I'm giving orthopedic surgery a bad name. I'm really not. This stuff is really, really exacting, okay? And it's done very, very well. But the enemy of good is perfect. The enemy of really good is perfect. And what happens when you try to freehand skim cut half a millimeter, you end up putting a different angle on the bone. You end up doing something that needs a lot of correction later, which sometimes adds, ends up in a, in a poor outcome. And it's like, but damn, that was really good. Like if I couldn't measure to a half a millimeter, I'd have looked at that and said, whoa, are you guys see this? Look at, look at this, right? But then with the enhanced precision of the tools that we have, sometimes it's easy to, to forget that um, you're really good at what you do. Let's not try to cut it too fine. 
Let's just go out there and do the work. We know we're going to get repeatable results. We know that we're going to be able to maximize those results with enough focus on the process. And uh, yeah, just keep grabbing handfuls of grass and there might be a four leaf clover in there. Hopefully a couple times a week. <laughs> Andy, this is good. I, I like watching you grow as a writer and I love your perspective and, and you always have these like really cool um, viewpoints on things. So uh, thanks for this and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Deeper Thought is a pod about it production. It's edited and produced by me, Doug Branson. Music provided by Blue Dot Sessions. This podcast is masterminded by Jeff Bajoric. So what'd you learn? What'd you learn about, or what do you remember about being a kid? What do you remember about your own processes? You remember about your finding your own efficiencies? Like when I think back on that conversation, I think back to being a little kid and things just being easier, simpler. And I think about all the ways that people tend to get in their own way by looking for a newer, better, faster, smarter, more efficient way. Um, what about just letting yourself figure it out. You don't need a newer, better way. You need your way. But I digress. Um, really fun conversation. Always good to talk to Andy. Even better when we can record it and share it with people like you. And as a fun side note, Andy just bought a new house and I saw some pictures and it looks like there's a fair amount of clover in that yard. And he told me that he still likes to go out every once in a while and grab a handful and see if any of those clovers have four leaves. So kind of a nice way to end the episode on a smile. Um, thank you. I'm always smiling when I thank you. Uh, thanks for spending your time with me. A lot of podcast episodes out there. You've heard me say that before. I mean it every time. If you took some value away from this, hey, tell somebody about it. Please share it. And if you think there's a way that I can help you or your team with your expectations around your prospecting, with anything sales related, for that matter, I love talking about sales. It's worth having a conversation. I hope you feel the same way. And I hope to hear from you soon. JB at jeffbajorek.com. If not, I'll talk to you again on this podcast in just a couple of days. See you then. Rethink the Way You Sell is a Pot About It production. It's mixed and edited by Doug Branson, with music by Blue Dot Sessions and Doug Branson. This podcast is masterminded by Jeff Bajorek.